Michael Osterlink here, and today's show is brought to you by Hope Floats, which is a unique health and wellness spa located in the heart of the DMV. Downtown Bethesda is its home. Since opening its doors in 2013, Hope Floats has introduced thousands to flotation therapy and its positive effects on the mind and body. A couple of the many benefits of flotation therapy include intense relaxation and stress management, accelerated recovery from intense physical activity and athletic injuries, detoxification, pain relief, and combating certain cognitive behaviors such as anxiety and depression. To learn more about Hope Floats, check out hopefloatsusa.com. And today I'm honored and pleased to introduce my friend who I haven't spoken to in many, many years, so this is going to be a great opportunity for us to catch up, is Dr. Lacey Chittle. She is a functional medicine specialist in the San Francisco Bay Area. She has a virtual consulting practice specializing in complex medical cases that are failed by conventional medicine. Her patients often include those with autoimmune diseases, gastrointestinal dysfunction, and chronic fatigue. How are you doing, Lacey? I'm doing well, thank you. It's great Thanks to see you. Thanks for having me. It's really good to see you. Yeah, so, you know, last time we got kind of hung out was actually at our wedding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a long, long time ago. Uh, you're good friends with my wife, and uh, you were actually her trainer at the time. And a lot has happened to you since the time of you being a physical trainer to the time that now you're a functional medicine specialist. And Definitely. I think your story um, is a great story to tell, not only just your evolution in terms of what you do for a living, but the care and compassion that you can now bring into your work as a functional medicine specialist, having gone through your own healing crisis. So tell us a little about your story, where you came from, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so if it's all right, I think um, I'd like to explain what functional medicine is, because uh, not everybody actually even knows what it is. True. <laughs> um, so functional medicine, for those who are new to um, this term, is um, a root cause approach to treating uh, treating medical conditions. Um, so what it is, is we're looking at everything that has uh, accumulated in your life, everything from your genetic makeup and um, your um, environment that you have put your genes under, meaning everything that's happened to you in your entire life, both emotionally and physically, and exposures to environmental and food and everything else, toxins um, and um, stressors, and that could be physical, emotional, or um, psychological all those things that have happened to you that have accumulated to the symptoms that you're now experiencing. Um, so in functional medicine, we then take um, that information along with um, all the normal testing that you have had done, you know, or you know of um, from a regular laboratory tests and then some specialized tests. And we find out where the ink has dropped, so to speak. So what are all the little pieces um, that have created the perfect situation that then has uh, resulted in the symptoms that you're experiencing today? And a lot of the time, uh, some of that um, when somebody has a complex medical condition, there is um, a root cause in their condition that relates to a breakdown in their immune system function um, and their gastrointestinal function. Um, and that's because so much of our immune system actually resides within the gut. There's 70% of our immune system cells are in our gut. Um, so a lot of functional medicine practitioners will do a lot of um, gastrointestinal workup and um, address that before we start addressing other things. Um, however, it does. we still take into consideration your genetic um, predispositions, um, potential SNPs, or single nucleotide polymorphisms, um, and uh, that could contribute to uh, your particular uh, symptomology. Um, so this all spoke to me when I, when I heard about it. So it was actually partway through my healing process that I even heard of the Institute for Functional Medicine. Um, that's who I did my uh, studies with. And, uh, but um, what brought me to, um, to understanding or wanting to actually go down this route of uh, treating my patients this way was when I felt ill myself. Um, so, uh, because like I said, it kind of starts like way back when you were maybe in your mommy's belly, <laughs> you know, of how you got to where you are. And my story's a little bit long, so um, settle in and get <laughs> comfortable. 
Um, so you can, I'd like to share the whole story because um, that helps you see how then I approach my patients as well. Um, so I was always the type of person who I'm done with two sort of stuff. And so uh, I would, and even when I was in high school, work, you know, I exercised and then I worked again and then I exercised some more after the work, you know, and then I went off to college and I didn't do just one degree. I decided to do two degrees. And while I was doing all of that, I also worked part-time jobs and I would run um, every day, um, you know, at least for an hour a day. And so at the end of every week for about 10 years, I would be running on average about 50 miles a week, um, you know, and with never taking an off season. Um, I also did, you know, weight training and um, kept very long hours, um, you know, as, as you can when you're in your early 20s, what can you do? You can run off of fumes four, five, six hours of sleep a night. And I did that um, for many, many years, did that for decades. So then um, I finished the degree in physiology and I'll just study. So I was fascinated by the healing powers of um, this, uh, healing powers of the body um, with the spirit and our relationships with one another, um, how that can be healing as well. Um, so that's why I wanted to do both of those degrees. Um, and then I went on to study um, uh, physical therapy. And I uh, did a doctorate in physical therapy. That's when I met Jen, <laughs> Michael's, your wife, um, was when I was both working on my doctorate and working as a personal trainer and still overfilling my plate, doing way too much exercise, never sleeping, and so on and so forth. Um, and then I finished my degree and uh, I secured myself a job um, at a tertiary medical center. Um, and I um, promptly got ill. Um, it was just a random infection. Um, I didn't really think much of it at the time. Um, I had an, a urinary tract infection, um, but Randomly, I had never had um, an infection whatsoever ever in my in my life, um, so I started taking antibiotics for that urinary tract infection, and I had an adverse drug reaction. Um, so I had a tendinopathy in my elbow. Um, so we had to stop it immediately because that can actually cause a tendon to rupture, um, and I was placed on another medication, another antibiotic. Um, after I was done with that course of antibiotics. Uh, you know, I had had some, um, the kidney, the urinary tract infection had turned into a kidney infection um, and antibiotics were really tough on my, um, on my belly. Um, so for months thereafter, um, I had a lot of nausea. Uh, every single day I was nauseous and I, and I woke up feeling very tired every single day. And after work even, um, my husband would drive us home from Baltimore back to DC and I would nap in the car um, before I then went on to do my second job as a personal trainer and work out myself in the evening. And so I, I wasn't quite myself um, for months thereafter. And I didn't, I just thought, well, you know, maybe it's all just catching up to me. Maybe I just need to cut down, um, you know, what I'm doing, you know, that I've been doing all of this stuff for way too long. Maybe my body's just trying to tell me I should do a little less. So I did. I started working out a little bit less. I cut back on on the amount of training. I was in addition to working as a physical therapist. Um, but then I had another stressful um, event. Um, we I was renovating my condo, um, and called herpes zoster, the shingles uh, around my left eye, mm. and. Um, it's uh, so herpes zoster is like after you've had if you've had the, the chicken pox, it's a reoccurrence of the chicken pox essentially. And um, even if you've had in the, in the uh, immunization, you can actually still get the shingles um, after that. Um, so, uh, anyhow, it had been exactly 20 years since I had had uh, the chicken pox, and that's usually when immunity wanes. And so I was like, oh, of course, because I had 
a very mild case of the chickenpox as a child. That's why now I'm having um, a recurrence at this point in time, um, which is exactly what happened with the first doses of immunization is that all these children who got the immunization um, but didn't have um, a, a booster uh, were getting the shingles. So it's this thing that we know in medicine um, that can occur. So I didn't think too much of it. Um, however, um, it left me with um, a pain disorder thereafter. I had what's called um, post-herpetic neuralgia, um, where I just had nerve damage um, around the And um, as a result of that, I started looking to make sure what else I had safe teeth, to make sure that there wasn't something else going on in there. Um, I would try all kinds of different pain medications, short-term pain medications, long-term pain medications, uh, not really knowing that those medications uh, were uh, potentially um, going to be very hard on um, my digestive tract or my liver. Um, and um, the other downside to having had that occur to me was that I couldn't go back to running, which was a passion of mine um, to do. Uh, every time I start running, it felt like my head was going to just split right open. So um, I was fatigued and had chronic pain and um, really didn't understand, you know, why I couldn't just get over it. You know, it, previously in my life, I had always felt like I could just rally. I could just, you know, muscle through and make myself do it. And this was like the first time in my life where I really couldn't muscle the energy to just make myself keep going and to exercise and to do more than just my nine to five job. So um, a handful of months passed and then um, I was at work and I had completely given up doing personal training at this point. Um, I wasn't training, I was just doing my nine to five job. Um, and I was in a meeting and I went to stand after this meeting and I had um, a field cut in my left eye. So I lost vision um, out of a portion of my left eye. And I don't know if I was completely with it because I called my husband and was like, you know, is this, how serious is this? <laughs> and um, the, um, sorry about that, the, um, sorry. Oh, sorry about that. Um, and so my, um, my husband was like, this could be a retinal detachment. We need to go to the emergency room immediately. Um, I told my supervisor, my, I think my supervisor thought that maybe I was exaggerating what I was experiencing. Maybe I had a floater or something else. And so she asked me to stay and see my patients. Wow. <laughs> and um, my husband was like, no, I'm coming to get you. We're going to the ER now. And uh, so I went to the ER was actually admitted because they get sure it was infectious. Um, maybe it was the herpes zoster coming back again, um, or if it was MS, or if it was some, some you know, something else very serious. Um, and so I was hospitalized, had lots of testing done, both blood work and um, uh, spinal to see if it was like the MS. Um, and so those tests um, came back remarkably Unremarkable. Um, <laughs> there's a couple things that came back. So um, there's these markers for uh, your immune system function called complement. And I had complement that was low, which it can be when you're just sick, or it can be something that if you were just born that way, that your immune system just doesn't make as much of this stuff. Um, that doesn't mean anything particular, like this is a diagnosis of X, Y, or Z. And then I had one other, a myeloperoxidase antibody that was slightly elevated, but just at the border. Mm. So um, I was um, told, well, you know, you have a vasculitis in your eye, so, you know, you just clot it off, you know, a little vessel kind of just clot it off um, a little bit of, um, and that was what caused the loss of vision. And, you know, in the weeks to come, it, you know, hopefully it will all return. Um, and then the other piece of it was follow-up with rheumatology. So I was discharged and I went to see a rheumatologist thereafter. And I was told by that rheumatologist that I was probably going to declare myself as an autoimmune um, patient in the months to years ahead. Um, and likely it would be lupus is what he thought. Um, and then 
uh, I went and saw another rheumatologist um, and at the um, with the company that I uh, worked for, and he diagnosed me with seronegative, undifferentiated connective tissue disease. And so, seronegative, what does that mean? It means that your blood work doesn't add up, but you have enough of the other symptoms that you you know you would qualify for having this connective tissue disease, and that would be the reasoning why you have vasculitis. But then, so what? <laughs> so, so what are we going to do about it? So, I was placed on a medication um, called Plaquenil um, for uh, is usually used in lupus patients, um, and then uh, I was uh, placed on medications for my pain. Um, what had also happened during this uh, period of time, uh, hospitalization and discharge, was I had developed not just headache pain, but I started having joint pain, uh, tendon pain, muscle aches. Um, I had developed um, dysautonomia, which is when your body doesn't regulate your blood pressure um, or your body temperature very well. So when I stood up, I would get pins and needles in my legs. I would get diaphoretic, I would get all um, hot and sweaty, um, cold and sweaty. Uh, I feel like I actually passed out, you know, very easily just from getting up. Uh, I had to be very careful about that. Um, had to sit down in the shower, you know, because the heat of the water would actually, um, uh, my body couldn't handle the heat of the shower. Um, and so I was pretty disabled at this point in time. Um, <laughs> and uh, all I was given over the course of the next year were medications to try and manage these symptoms. Um, the, the fatigue, I had um, also lots of GI issues, in part probably because of the medications I had been placed on. Um, and so I had terrible nausea uh, and vomiting. I had um, fluctuating diarrhea and constipation. And so I had lost a lot of weight. I was, you know, a muscular, um, you know, person before this. And I had, you know, lost about 16 pounds um, on uh, my slight, you know, five foot eight build is a lot. Um, and so I was um, uh, very frail. And um, after a year of trying to figure out what was going on with me, trying to get a diagnosis, I was very caught up in wanting a diagnosis. Um, and uh, a year plus later, I still didn't have a, a true diagnosis. It was just working on, well, let's just manage your symptoms. And went back to Maryland um, after I had moved from um, Maryland up to New York um, with my husband and to see my rheumatologist, check in with him. And um, I hadn't had any more vasculitis in my eye at that point for a handful of months. Um, and uh, he, but I was complaining about this terrible fatigue, all these GI problems. Um, my pain was still a huge issue. Um, it was, you know, preventing me from being able to do too much. I was on medication to um, be able to eat. Um, so the, the nausea medication I had to take was like more than double what um, it usually is given, um, just so that I could eat food and not immediately vomit it back up. Um, and so, you know, uh, I was stuck on all these medications and, you know, 28 and a half years old. And so I was kind of concerned by the fact that I was gonna live my life this way for how many more years, you know, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, I can't, I couldn't imagine. And um, so during this visit with my rheumatologist, I told him, you know, like this, that I really feel like this is not going well. And he leaned in and he put his hand on my shoulder and he told me, Lacey, you've made great progress and you should probably get comfortable with the idea that this is your new normal. And I kept it together during that appointment. I, I don't know how I didn't like start crying right then and there. Um, but as soon as I left and I got in my rental car <laughs> to drive back to DC where I was staying with a friend, um, I just lost it. I just completely lost it um, because I couldn't imagine, um, you know, continuing my life with this degree of disability, um, you know, and. I just felt like I was missing out on so much, you know. I wasn't able to practice as a physical therapist anymore um, because of my fatigue and because of the pain in my hands and everything. Um, I wasn't able to, you know, engage with my friends or family because I was so tired and, you know, I didn't even feel like I could talk that much. I remember my husband often telling me, you know, like, oh, you must be having um, a better 
uh, day because you're actually talking, <laughs> you know, and it was just, uh, it just felt like too much um, to even engage in, you know, social conversations, let alone go out with friends. And um, so anyhow, it was, it was then when I was driving back and I had to pull off the side of the road and cry, you know, profusely for a good period of time that it occurred to me, I can't continue to wait for someone else to help me and to, you know, fix me, um, that I needed to take the power back and that I needed to figure out what is going on with my body and to take responsibility um, for my health, for myself again. And so then I started researching um, alternative therapies. I saw some some people, it was kind of maybe some woo-woo stuff going on that not what didn't that may have helped a little bit, but you know, uh, didn't give any lasting results. And then I found some things that really were helpful. Um, you know, it was very helpful to see acupuncturist uh, to help with digestion and help with um, some of this um, ad adrenal issues that I was having with um, some of my fatigue and everything. Um, but the, it wasn't lasting. And the, what I recognized as I was going through learning this stuff um, was that I wasn't actually getting to the root cause of what was um, driving this, what was driving this immune system dysfunction and the uh, gastrointestinal symptoms and everything else. Um, and so eventually I came across uh, the Institute for Functional Medicine. Um, it was actually from my, um, my sister-in-law who was going to go uh, to naturopathy school at the time, who was like, Lacey, do you realize you're doing all the things that they're teaching? Um, for yourself. And um, so I looked into it and, and I was sold because again, it was this idea of finding where the rubber hits the road, um, what actually is going to um, resolve the symptoms that you're having for good and keep you healthy long term. Um, so what it was for me um, was that I had found that um, I uh, obviously have a genetic predisposition to having some immune system dysfunction. And when you look at my family history, um, you know, I have a family history of autoimmune diseases, of psoriasis um, is, is one of them. And, um, you know, then there's a whole family history of people not doing well with medications, not tolerating them well. Um, and that um, when I did my own genetic testing, I thought, yeah, I have this cytochrome P450 mutation. So I don't metabolize drugs very well, um, you know, or a huge class of medications um, very well. And um, so those things are going to set me up for um, this, these issues. And then, you know, I did some research and found out, you know, yeah, when you're in your mommy's belly, um, you know, the what she's exposed to by stress can actually predispose you as a as a child um, to having um, increased uh, stress hormones yourself. Um, so, you know, those sort of things do make a difference. And so, you know, um, that probably is why I'm such a go-getter and such a driven individual and maybe more on the anxious side of things is because I was exposed to those um, hormones when I was in utero. And um, so then, uh, I used all that information along with um, the uh, understanding for this interaction biochemistry, the biochemistry behind how the body actually functions to identify that um, uh, I needed to um, treat my gut. So changing my diet and cleaning up, I had some infections in my, in my gastrointestinal tract, which had probably taken up residence um, because I was taking a medication, medications, pain medications that um, slow everything, right? So in these pain medications, they actually slow all neural activity. And so that connection from your brain to your gut is slowed too. So as a result of um, those medications and the slowing of my digestive tract, um, it became a really great environment for bugs to take up residence. So I had infections in my gut um, that I had to deal with in order to um, uh, get lasting results with everything else that I was doing with my diet. So um, taking out food items that are triggers for autoimmunity, um, you know, so things like um, uh, wheat and dairy, refined sugars. Initially, I had to take out um, also um, things like beans and nuts um, that can be triggers um, for autoimmunity as well. 
And then I had to do um, a very limited diet in order to help kill off these infections that were in my gut. So a low FODMAPs diet, which is um, these um, bacteria, this, uh, these types of sugars that ferment um, uh, in your gut and um, cause uh, bacterial overgrowth from your um, colon up into the upper portions of your intestines. Um, so I had to do a good amount of work there in order to heal my digestive tract. Um, and then that helps support your immune system function. Um, because like I said, the immune system, 70% of your immune cells are in your uh, digestive tract. Um, so every time you eat a bite of food, your immune system has to say, is this a good guy or is this a bad guy? Do we have to pull in the troops and get him out of here ASAP? Or is this a good guy who we can utilize the nutrients that are here in order to help support our tissue um, function and cellular turnover and so on and so forth? So every time you eat food, it has an effect on how well your immune system is going to work. Um, and so that's where, you know, it's very common to see uh, gastrointestinal issues nowadays just in our society. I saw a commercial the other day saying it's like over... You know, 60% of the population has GI issues. Well, it's because of the standard American diet, right? Because what did I say are the top three foods that can affect your digestion? Wheat, dairy, and refined sugar, and all our prepackaged foods. You know, so many of our prepackaged foods have those three items, or at least one of those items in them. Um, so... Uh, after I um, did all of that, I, I figured out, um, I did this healing for my digestive tract, and then allowed me to work on um, the, my body's detoxification systems to help support um, mitochondrial function, which then enabled my um, uh, energy to improve beyond what the other portion of this um, uh, dysfunction in my um, energy where my energy had um, been really limited. So I had one piece was an adrenal dysfunction where my hormones were um, stealing away from making my own sex hormones to make stress hormones. That's the adrenal um, dysfunction, adrenal fatigue, um, which I had created from a lifetime of overdoing it, <laughs> uh, not sleeping enough, over-exercising, uh, over-committing myself, um, not doing practices that help support and restore my body, you know, um, uh, meditation, journaling, um, and those sort of things. And um, then uh, this other piece of the um, mitochondrial dysfunction of cleaning up the mitochondria that get really toxic when we take medications or we eat foods that, you know, don't agree with our bodies. Um, so they, our mitochondria do what's called cellular respiration. Um, where they take the food items that you eat um, and takes those nutrients and um, takes oxygen that we breathe in and it makes energy. Um, and so that process can get um, inhibited uh, when we take drugs that uh, are toxic uh, to um, the mitochondria, which there are over 200, um, you know, commonly used medications that do that, including things like statins mm -hmm. and um, over-the-counter ibuprofen and Tylenol and things like that. Um, and um, then uh, environmental things can also make them a little bit sick. Um, so worked on those things, and uh, then eventually I was able to return to um, fairly normal existence of being able to exercise and work and um, fully engage in my life with my family, my friends, and everybody else. Um, and it was through that process, though, that I recognized that my, um, my true calling, I feel like it is, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. is that, you know, when I first got sick, I, um, I, I, there was a huge sense of loss, right? You know, like when you get, when, anything, when your identity is wrapped up in those things that you do, which it is for most people, you know, I am an athlete, um, I am a personal trainer, I am a physical therapist, um, and you no longer can do those things, um, the ego takes a huge hit, right? Um, and you feel lost. And I, and I did, I felt lost for a while, um, and not really knowing, you know, where, um, what my purpose was, you know? And, um, but through that, having to confront that, you know, you have to um, get, you either, you have to choose. And I chose that I was going to um, really just have love and compassion for myself. That uh, this is where I am today. 
that this is not necessarily where I'm going to be tomorrow. And then I'm taking all the steps that I possibly can in order to, um, to heal myself. And then I'm going to then approach um, everyone else in my life with that same love and compassion and find other little things that even though I'm not able to give in the way that I thought that I wanted to for a career in life, you know, I'm working in pediatric pain management, um, I couldn't do that anymore, um, that I was going to find something else that allowed me to feel like I was giving from my heart and giving um, to the world at large. Um, and eventually it occurred to me that I can marry these things together, you know, of what I used to do um, and what I do now. And so I created this practice. That's awesome. What, what a great story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Long story. <laughs> no, nah, it's, it's a really important story. And I would say that uh, you're fortunate, obviously, to come on from the others coming through it, and you're now on the other side of it uh, for the most part. But you're also fortunate, too, that um, despite the the doctor telling you like get used to this is, is this is your life or probably worse over time as you as you age um, you have the forethought to say no I'm gonna research I'm gonna find alternatives I'm gonna heal myself um, which is great most people don't have that whatever drive that you have to look search for the answer so it's great not only that you've gone through that the healing crisis but now you are yourself available for other people who run into conventional medicine, don't find the solutions that they're looking for, except for symptom management, short-term, you know, acute kind of care, not long-term thriving in their life. Um, so walk me through. So you went through this process. Tell me about then your schooling and the functional medicine and then opening up your practice. Yeah, so um, the my original schooling was uh, in um, exercise physiology. Um, and religious studies. And so I always had, you know, a passion for understanding how the body works. Um, and uh, so I uh, studied at UC Davis and did a degree in exercise physiology there. Um, but, you know, I've always been um, interested in uh, human interconnection, you know, and, how, and faith and um, spirituality and how um, these things, no matter where you are in the world or what religion you have, how there are these tenets, um, you know, and values that all humans have that, you know, um, draw us together. And um, so what I did was um, for my uh, my senior thesis for uh, my ex for my religious studies degree was actually um, to look at the research behind healing and um, the healing process and, and prayer or community. Nice. And so what I found was um, amazing that there are all these studies of people who, you know, individuals who had uh, surgery, for instance, and they um, had they had surgery and uh, they just marked their healing process of how long it took for them to recover, um, you know, from their from that surgical intervention. And then they took another group of people and asked some people in another state who never met them before to pray for them for their healing. And what they found was the people who were being prayed for in a different state by someone who never met them <laughs> actually healed faster, like a statistically significant amount faster, <laughs> which is crazy, right? So how is that possible? You know, and that's where, you know, I... I, um, I feel that we're all connected, right? And that there is this necessary piece to our health that is this interconnection between um, all humans and, you know, the human existence and that there is something greater than ourselves out there. Um, and uh, so anyhow, I, that's where I, I thought, you know, oh, you know, this is, this is, this like, really resonates with me. I feel like this is the truth. I feel this in my own life, in my own experience, you know, um, in with my own relationships with the people in my family and my friends, um, you know, people that you just meet, you know, on the streets while you're walking by, you feel their energy, you know, you can feel that they're having a good, good or bad day, you know, that there's something more uh, to us, you know, than just, you know, what we are experiencing. Um, 
and um, that those things then will have an effect on your overall health, you know? So your mindset, your, um, you know, a positive outlook, um, uh, a, a mindset of abundance um, and, and a practice of gratitude, those things will make a difference on your state of health long-term. And that, you know, has been studied, you know, repeatedly as well, is that, you know, those people who have, um, you know, a meditative practice, um, who have a practice of gratitude, and do have less occurrence of medical conditions. Um, so there's actually something there. Um, and then, uh, you know, so then I went on to do my doctorate in uh, physical therapy um, at uh, GW. And um, when I studied there, um, the my area of um, particular interest was a neuro or neurological conditions. Um, and uh, then that spawned off into an interest in genetic syndromes and so genetics. So as you know, you, uh, the human genome um, was just sequenced, you know, roughly sequenced in 2000, um, but, you know, completed in 2003. So like we haven't actually you know, been utilizing this information for very long, but it's a great area of, um, of interest, you know, because how our genetic makeup and our epigenetic or um, modifiable aspects of our genes can't interact with the environment. Um, so that was very interesting to me, uh, you know, even back then when I was doing my doctoral work there. Um, and then, um, you know, as I started practicing in uh, pediatric pain, um, I also saw lots of genetic uh, rare genetic syndromes. Hmm. And you see these connections, even as a clinician, without the research, wasn't necessarily really there very much back then, um, is more so now. You see these connections between having um, rare, these rare genetic syndromes and having these other system-wide issues. So issues with detoxification, issues with um, the body's ability to um, uh, uh, detoxify well and you see that in the symptom of like having uh, inability to um, have regular bowel movements for instance so like in my kids with um, spina bifida for instance um, you know the, they oftentimes have uh, issues with their gastrointestinal tracts and they are known to have you know a personality type they're difficult kids no it's just that either they tend to have these issues and that then affects um, their their mood, um, even in kids who have like uh, attention deficit or adults who have attention deficit, um, you know, oftentimes when we look at their genetic um, uh, SNPs, their epigenetic um, SNPs, you know, you can see things like uh, an inability to detoxify well, um, and so um, these uh, methylation and detoxification SNPs and stuff, when they're well supported, those symptoms go away, mm -hmm. and so you can see how then you know this. Uh, you know, this kid or this adult who has these symptoms can be um, managed, um, you know, that it's not necessarily have, they have to have those symptoms for the rest of their lives. So, like I said, I saw a lot of kids with um, pain and a lot of their pain symptoms were headaches and um, what's called functional abdominal pain and stuff. So, when I um, realized that um, you know, from learning functional medicine, I, after studying with the Institute of Functional Medicine, I went through all of their coursework, um, was that these individuals who are experiencing these, these issues with um, uh, functional abdominal pain or having chronic migraines and, and such, it's really that there's a breakdown in that system and that by just giving them medication to mask it doesn't help that ability to um, for their bodies to do a better job at doing that process. And so by doing um, uh, like a 23andMe and processing that information um, and taking a lengthy history, so you know, like um, my intake is a 17 page intake uh, of questions with 280 items of symptoms that I ask you about. And I use that information to then help me um, identify, you know, what is going to be the best, um, path to get you not only help you right now, but to keep you that way long term. Um, and so when I was thinking about, you know, going back to work, I was feeling better, um, you know, and I had this information from having studied with the Institute for Functional Medicine, I was like, you know, how could I possibly incorporate this into working as a therapist? 
And, um, you know, and then it occurred to me that how could I possibly not use this information to help these kids <laughs> or these adults who have these things, you know, going on with them? And so um, that's, you know, what led me to uh, marrying the two. Um, and so, you know, I have, you know, lots of patients who have chronic fatigue syndrome. And it, you know, the prognosis, you know, for that alone is really poor. You know, people don't usually recover from chronic fatigue. But the truth of the matter is, is that it's, there's three layers, that it's not that complicated. You gotta identify if it's any of the major players, you know, do you have a nutritional deficiency or a thyroid dysfunction, a thyroid disease that's going on. So um, vitamin D, B12, um, do you have anemia um, that's driving it? If you can mark all those things off, then the next things to look at are your hormones um, and your um, mitochondrial function. And there's tests for that too. You know, so you can look and see what do your sex hormones look like? What do these uh, stress hormones look like? Over the course of a, you know, a day, what is your cortisol level looking like? You know, so we do like a four-point salivary cortisol with your DHEA. And we look and see, is there this thing called, you know, cortisol steal? Um, you know, where your body is stealing away from making your sex hormones and making more of these um, stress hormones. And then we look at, you know, um, a nutritional evaluation and look for markers within that um, thing, that uh, test to see um, if your body has all the things that it needs in order to make energy. Um, and then, you know, if you uh, don't, then we help support that. And then lo and behold, you know, these symptoms just disappear. You know, they, if people, you know, didn't know that they um, would, they could not have attention deficit. You know, that's one of the ones that uh, is pretty amazing when adults are like, I've had this for 25 years, you know, since I was five years old or whatever, you know, I, I recognize that I've had these symptoms of not being able to sit still or concentrate. I mean, I've had people who had um, uh, heard, heard voices, uh, like who have schizophrenic. Um, and, you know, it was just a heavy metal toxicity. And, um, you know, by clearing that out and supporting the body's ability to not accumulate that heavy metal again, um, and, so, and fixing the nutritional deficiencies, like the person didn't hear voices anymore, you know? So all these things that we think are just, this is me, this is who I am, I don't have any control over this, that's not necessarily the case. So, I, you know, my experiences strongly support everything you just said, um, and, I, and I see a slow moving wave in, in the direction that you're speaking about in our culture, uh, but it doesn't seem like medicine as a whole, or doctors in particular, have necessarily caught up with this wave of understanding that we're, we as human beings are a complex adaptive system, we interact with our environment, the environment turns on, regulates, upregulates our genes, that things matter, like what you eat, you sleep, your stress management, your connection with other human beings, all the wonderful things that you just talked about. Um, what is your experience in seeing this wave when you talk to patients who have tried the conventional medicine approach um, and or talk to other doctors or other healthcare practitioners are they open to this stuff? Are they less open to this stuff? Are they more open to this stuff over time? Like, what, what's your experience along those lines? Yeah, my perspective. Yeah, so um, I'd like to preface it with, I think conventional medicine is excellent medicine for an emergency. Mm -hmm. Our, like, acute care management is great. We save people, you know? And in some situations, it's really appropriate, you know, to use, um, you know, uh, morphine or it's appropriate to use antibiotics. Um, but our conventional medicine model does not um, improve uh, the quality of life, you know. And so historically, um, yeah, you're right, you know, we don't do a very good job at um, uh, preventing disease. Um, and I think that there, however, um, I, I do see things moving in a positive good. direction towards functional medicine. I mean, for, in, for instance, um, you know, this is the first year that in this country, um, Medicare is actually covering uh, for patients to meet with nutritionists. Okay. And so, you know, the reason why is because there's been, there was this very huge study that came out that was published about um, what really makes a difference in uh, people losing weight and mm -hmm. keeping it off. Mm -hmm is having that human connection, having somebody help hold their hand through it. 
um, that it's not just helpful to, you know, uh, give them metformin and, and say, you know, you're going to be okay, you know, for your diabetes. Um, you know, complications of the disease still progress over time, even me, if your blood sugar is, is controlled, for instance. Let me ask you a question about that, though, because, uh, great, so uh, insurance, in this case, government insurance recognizes nutrition and recognizes human connection to kind of coach the person through this process, but the minute, the science that the government relies on in terms of what you should and should not eat is like <laughs> 20 years behind the science t of today It says, wow, that's... Now, yeah, 20 years yeah. ago, it was actually incorrect then. There was, there was misunderstandings of like oh, what, yeah. how to read science. <laughs> we can talk about that for a little while. <laughs> so it seems like that's a good, it's a start, but then it's like, okay, but what kind of nutrition then, are these people promoting? Yeah, um, and th yeah, so there is maybe a hiccup in, in that piece of it. You know, not all nutritionists are um, functionally functional medicine nutritionists. However, there are, you know, some now, there are a couple different organizations that um, train uh, functional and functional nutrition. Um, so, you know, over time, I do believe that that, you know, or I hope that that, that, that shift will be made. Um, the other thing that I see uh, on the horizon is that there, it, there are departments um, at medical schools in functional medicine. So this is huge. Like it's only been, I think, three years since the first one opened um, at the Cleveland Clinic, um, and so uh, it's now required because. So the CEO of the hospital, I think it was, um, was a patient of Mark Hyman's, um, and so he recognized that this this stuff works. You know, you can actually reverse all these diseases. Um, through your food and supplementation and dialing in, you know, your genetic um, SNPs and, you know, and how they're effect being affected by the environment that you're putting them under. And so um, he supported the, the, the opening of the first um, functional medicine department in a medical school or in a medical, um, in a, in a medical hospital. And so the medical students are now required to actually rotate through this department. So I do believe that that will help shift a little bit and then we see even where you live in washington dc another one of the institute for functional medicine's um staff members was hired um Shulpa saksana in order to uh create the um, center for functional medicine at gw nice, nice. um you know and so there are and there's another one at the mayo clinic now mm -hmm. has one um as well and um so there's um there is a shift happening, um, you know, in these larger institutions, and it's these research institutions who are going, who influence then other hospitals. Now, on an everyday basis, what is my experience? <laughs> um, well, so you know, because I'm a consultant, and because my patients are literally all over the world, in New Zealand, in Australia, in the UK, um, you have to have somebody local who is your local clinician and you know um for those emergency situations so you know my patients go into their doctor's offices with you know a list of the labs or you know the supplements that they're on or whatever else and sometimes you know they get like you know a head shaking or an eye if eye roll um or blatantly are told i've had patients um tell me that their doctor told them that you're wasting your money wow um However, that's not everyone. Um, I got a message from um, a patient's uh, wife just yesterday that said, um, you know, uh, we got, we finally won him over with regard to their primary care physician. Okay, um, he had gotten some blood work back. His thyroid function had um, become abnormal. I placed him on an appropriate diet um, and uh, supplementation for thyroid. And two months later, he went in to see his physician, and uh, the physician said, so what did your functional medicine doctor say about this when you got your last labs done? Um, and uh, they said, well, she put me on a supplementation for it and put me on a diet for it. And, he, and then the physician retorted with, well, whatever she did, I would keep doing it because it may, <clears throat> your labs are completely normal now. Nice. nice. You know, so this was a this was a physician who was just poo pooing everything yeah, yeah, that yeah. I had asked them to do previously for like literally the last year and a half, <laughs> and now he's won over because he sees a, his patient who had all of these medical conditions actually, you know, his blood works are all looking completely normal. Right, right. Um, 
And um, that's what I love is, you know, that's what my goal is, is not just to help empower the individual to take back their own health and give them the tools of how to read the signals that their body is giving them um, so that they can maintain this um, long term. Uh, but then, you know, they go and see their doctors and their doctors see what they're doing and how it's um, working. And lo and behold, that's then how, you know, the field is going to change. You know, I've had a handful of rheumatologists who I work with, um, two of which are now going through the training with IFM oh, because nice. of their patients getting better who were working with me. That's too, awesome. You know, and that's just in yeah. the last couple of years. Yep. So, you know, there is a shift. Good. There's definitely a shift happening. Well, from the cultural, social level, back to you as an individual practitioner, what kind of clients um, are attracted to your work and you, you like to work with in terms of the issues that they're dealing with? Um, so uh, I think the majority of the patients, you know, uh, you know, hear my story and, um, you know, it and it resonates with them. So, you know, then I wind up seeing a lot of people with autoimmune diseases, um, gastrointestinal issues, and... Um, uh, and a lot of fatigue or pain, um, you know, but, uh, you know, the particular, you know, diseases that they come to me with could be anything from, um, you know, lupus and Hashimoto's uh, to uh, having IBS, you know, um, that they don't know, you know, why they have IBS or the actual diseases like Crohn's and ulcerative colitis and things of that nature. Um, I think part of the reason why I get referrals from rheumatologists now is because um, doctors hate working with fatigue um, because there really is not a good um, treatment plan for them. Um, you know, the best thing we can do for them um, conventionally is put them on um, Adderall, you yeah, know, speed. put them on a speed medication, um, you know, speed up their system so that they can function um, better. Um, but um, so I, I wind up seeing those sort of patients, and I love working with them because they get better. <laughs> nice. You know, and when and it's, there's nothing more rewarding than um, finding out, you know, for a, you know, a patient who hasn't slept well for decades, um, you know, messaging me and saying, "I slept through the night, and I had energy enough today Aww. that I went to yoga this evening after work." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, it's just like. It, it just warms my heart that I can help someone re-engage um, in their life in that manner to be able to do the things that they really love. Um, it just, it's just great. That's awesome. So for folks who are interested in learning more about your work and, and contacting you, can you give us your website? Yeah, so it's very easy. I'm the only Lacey Chittle in the entire world. Um, so my website <laughs> is just my name. It's uh, Dr. Uh, Lacey Chittle, um, and that's it. So yeah, you, um, I do. Like I said, I work with people all over the world, um, and I also um, have um, a group coaching program. Um, I just kicked off actually last night. Um, another round of that. Um, but I, I will have up on my website a list if people want to um, sign up for um, future announcements for when I'm running that group again. Um, and I'm actually in the works of creating a, a self-guided program as well, which will be up in, in a few months as oh, well. Great. We'll include all that information in the show notes. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Lacey, great to see you. Uh, Good to see you too, Michael. So, so happy that you're he healed and uh, healing others. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and share my story. Thanks. Take care. <laughs>